Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 to 23, page 966. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child and to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so it was fulfilled that that the Lord said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi. He was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learnt from the Magi. Then, th- then that he had was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Rama, a weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child live child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in in place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been mourned in in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was so was fulfilled. And what, what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. Thank you. Uh, good morning. I feel I must welcome you this morning as the frozen chosen. Well done uh, in making it out here in such freezing temperatures. Uh, my name is Mark. I'm on the staff team here. Uh, and welcome to the last Sunday of 2013. Can you believe another year's gone. Um, I wonder how your 2013 has, has been. Has it been good, bad, somewhere in, in between? Well, whatever your year has been like, I hope that in, in this passage we'll find encouragement that in the midst of uncertain times, uh, troubling times, God is still working out his, his plan. Uh, if you've been with us for the, the last few weeks, you'll, you'll know that our theme this Christmas has been following the journey, Uh, and I was going to ask some children if they would like to help us adults remember whose journeys we've been following, but as I look out, I see that actually it's it's mostly adults, so maybe maybe the adults will remind the adults, but uh, why don't we have a look at at some pictures and remind ourselves, who knows who that was? (laughs) Yes, Mary and Joseph, that's one of the journeys that we've been been following, uh, from Nazareth to Bethlehem for the birth of of baby Jesus. The next one, slightly cryptic because there isn't actually a sheep in the picture, but your cryptic clue is the crook. Those were the shepherds. Uh, and we followed their journey uh, from the hills where they were uh, tending their sheep by, by night to go and see the newborn born baby Jesus. And then more recently, the, the last visitors to see 
Jesus were the wise men who probably made the longest geographic uh, journey. Um, and they were the last visitors that we're, we're told about. Now, all of these journeys really revolved around the most important journey, and that is of Jesus himself. Um, and we're told uh, in Matthew 1 verse 21 that Jesus' journey wasn't just uh, quite a random journey. It wasn't just there and back to see how far it was, but he came with a particular purpose, and his purpose was to save his people from their sins. And it's probably worth us remembering that as we look at all these journeys and we look at the unfolding story, what we're seeing there is the unfolding of God's plan to save his people from their sins. And where we pick up the story here in, in Matthew 2 is just after uh, Christmas, really, the birth of Jesus. And I'd say the last Christmas visitors were leaving. Uh, I don't know if you had busy Christmases. Did anybody have heaps and heaps of people at their at their house, we had, we had a fair amount. And when they had gone, what I did was I kicked back on the sofa while um, Rosalind did the cleaning up, which I probably, probably shouldn't have admitted. Um, but I don't know what, what your Christmas was like, but as we read this story, I think these verses remind us that God's plan, this story, doesn't end at Christmas. Story carries on. When they had gone, the story carried on. If you if you look at verse thirteen with me, when they had gone, Joseph gets sent on the next leg of the journey. The angel of the Lord appears to him and sends him on. Sometimes it feels like things end after Christmas. I know that's how it feels like to me. We have this big celebration. There's lots of hubbub, but then I tend to slot straight into my previous routine, my normal life. And this certainly wasn't true for Joseph. For Joseph, once Christmas had come, things changed. Things kept going. And things got dangerous. Because as we read on and we read a little bit more of the unfolding of the story, we see that when they had gone, Herod was hopping mad. Because Herod had had his own plan. Herod had a plan to get rid of Jesus. You may remember that the wise men were supposed to uh, go back to Herod and tell him where Jesus was so that Jesus so that Herod could get rid of Jesus. But following God's instruction, they went a different route, and they outwitted Herod. And Herod was furious, and he had to hatch another plan. Now, history tells us that Herod was not a particularly uh, friendly guy. He was pretty ruthless, and he would do just about anything that he needed to do to protect his throne. We know from historians that he uh, executed three of his own children, one of his wives, um, and really, the worst thing that you could do was show any interest in being a king of any sort. And so Herod decides that he's going to take some pretty drastic measures to stop God's plan. But what we see here as the story unfolds is that when they had gone, God's plan carried on. Despite Herod's best efforts to put the plan to, to the sword, literally, things carried on. Now, it's worth bearing in mind that it was God's plan for Jesus to come to earth to die. That is why he came. But he came to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. He didn't come to die at the time of Herod's choosing. And what we see here is clear evidence that God has no intention of his plan to save his people from their sins being foiled or being put aside by Herod's plans. And so we see here the unveiling of God's plan to save Jesus for his proper calling, for his, his proper time. 
Now, it must have been pretty terrifying for, for Joseph, I think, to, to have this angel appear to him and tell him that Herod, pretty scary guy, is out to get the child in, in your care. I think that must have been quite terrifying in those days. And we see here uh, Joseph flees at night, uh, probably in quite short order. But I wonder if at the same time that, that Joseph was getting this terrifying message, he took a fair amount of comfort, or at least some comfort, from the fact that God knows what was coming. It didn't come as a surprise to the Lord. He warned Joseph. And as Joseph was busy packing up his, his family or his camel or whatever they were going to, or more likely his donkey, um, to go to Egypt, and he was picking up the gold that the, the wise men had left or the, the precious oils, I wonder if he started to realize that these events that were happening, happening around him were not just random. They were part of a bigger plan. And I think that's certainly the message that we should take out of this. I don't know if you noticed how many times in the reading the word fulfilled was used. We see it here in, in verse 15. That this was how what was said by the prophets hundreds of years before and had been foreshadowed by the Israelites' trip out of Egypt. Now was being fulfilled what the prophets had said hundreds of years ago. We see the same in verse 17, the fulfillment of what had been said by the prophets. And verse 23, when they come back out of Egypt, this again is the fulfillment of God's plan to save his people from their sins. Even in the midst of, of what must have seen the most horrible circumstances, fleeing at night, God is still working out his plan to save his people from their sins. And I think we should draw comfort from this as we read the rest of the Bible and we see God's plan unfolding, we see these prophecies fulfilled. It should give us confidence that God has no intention of letting his plan to save his people from his sins be upturned. The plan will succeed. God knows the future and he has a plan. Now, just because there's a plan, it doesn't mean that everything always runs smoothly or or as easily, I'm sure uh, I see some, some families here with young children. Can you imagine what it was like for Joseph to pack up his wife, his young child, and head down to Egypt? I imagine it was, it was not the most comfortable thing. He didn't hop in the Mercedes-Benz and head down the, the highway to Egypt. They fled at night. It wouldn't have been safe. But even in the midst of that, God still working out his plan, still bringing it to fulfillment. So when they had gone, the story carried on. It didn't end at Egypt. It carried on, and God's plan carried on. But I wonder if you noticed in the reading, and if you know from the stories around it, how God fulfilled the plan. Because when they had gone, God used his team to fulfill the plan. It was fallible people like Mary and Joseph and the wise men that God used. Jesus didn't miraculously levitate down, down to Egypt. The gold didn't just appear out of thin air. The wise men had to bring it. Mary and Joseph actually had to go to Egypt. They actually had to come back from Egypt to fulfill those, those prophecies. In the midst of their fear, in the midst of their, um, their circumstances, they still had to do what they were told to do. Now, I wonder if anybody here struggles to do what they're told. Yeah, 
couple of hands. I see my wife nodding at the back. I, I think she's nodding on my behalf rather than, than, her, than her own. Um, but isn't this a wonderful example about how to follow instructions? Only if we can have those, those verses up, verse 13 and uh, 14. If you go up there, what does the angel of the Lord say? Get up, go, stay. And miraculously, verse 14, so he got up, he went, and he stayed. I mean, that's, that's absolute genius. If you've got your Bible open, you might see pretty much the same things uh, said in verse 20 and 21. And I think it's stated twice because it's particularly miraculous that a man could follow instructions that closely. I think it might have been different if it was a matter of assembling an electronic appliance or something from Ikea. I'm not sure it would have gone as well as it did here. Uh, but how amazing, how amazing that Joseph, in the midst of this, was obedient. And what a privilege to be part of God's plan. What a privilege for Joseph to be the person who saves Jesus so that Jesus can save the world, save his people from their sins. It couldn't have been easy for him. I certainly don't think it was. And we see in verse, I think it's 20, 21 or 22, that when Joseph comes back, even though he's received these instructions from the Lord and he's carried them out, when he comes back into Israel, he comes afraid. It's not that he's just turned into some superhuman. He's still a person like you and me. And you may recall from the, the very beginning of the story, Joseph wasn't... Uh, on, on the plan from, from the get-go. He wanted to divorce Mary. But here, he leaves us a fantastic example of how obedience fulfills God's plan. He's able to play an amazing role in God fulfilling his, his plan. Now, as I was wondering about these verses and thinking about how they might apply to us, it struck me that Herod may have been the first person that we know of that tried to kill Jesus, but he certainly wasn't the last. I think we see that still going on today. Um, and maybe you saw it this Christmas when you went shopping. There wasn't a huge amount of Jesus in the stores. In the West, I think the, the attempt to kill Jesus today usually revolves around trying to undermine his teachings, that the Bible isn't relevant, that Jesus didn't really exist as, as a person in history. These sorts of attacks are aimed at getting rid of Jesus' legacy, trying to kill his plan to save his people from their sins. In other parts of the world, I think it tends to be more physical, perhaps. The body of Christ, the church, is often under persecution in, uh, in a very physical form in other parts of the world. But isn't it amazing that 2,000 years after Jesus died and rose and ascended into heaven, and placed the message of the gospel in the hands of people like you and me, that 2,000 years on, God's plan to save his people from their sins is still going on today. It's amazing. Two billion people in the world today profess that, yes, I've heard of the plan. I'm on the plan. I'm taking part in the plan to be saved from my sins. I think that's amazing through persecution, through martyrdom, through failings, through fear, through weakness, God is still working out his plan. And he works out his plan through people like us who are obedient in the midst of 
such difficult circumstances. And maybe that's been true for you this year. Maybe this year has been a really difficult year for you. But I hope these, this passage is encouraging that in the midst of these things, God, God knows and God is still working out his plan to save his people. I was the beneficiary of somebody who was, was obedient, who told me the news that I could be saved from my sins, that I didn't have to be defined by my past, the wrong things that I'd done, but that I could be done with the guilt and the shame and, and just the lostness that comes with, um, with being separated from God, that I could be brought back into a relationship with God. For me, that started off with my family um, and various ministers and and other people. I, I know for my wife, also many influences, but at university it really kicked off for her. And I'm sure across this room there are a heap of uh, different stories of how you heard about this news from people who were, who were obedient. Or maybe today you're here and this is the first time that you've heard that God has a plan to save us from our sins, to take away the, the baggage that we carry around with us. If that's you and you want to hear more about it, please come speak to us at the end of the service and we'd be happy to, to speak to you more about that. Or come, come do Alpha. Lauren spoke about that. It's just a great way to ask your questions about life, about the plan, about Jesus. A new course kicking off in January. Or maybe you're here and you say, actually, I'm already on the plan. I know the plan. I'm already part of it, but I'm not entirely sure what I should be doing. I'm not sure what it looks like to live out this plan in, uh, in daily life. Well, our goal at the church here is to try and help you do that as we all together as a congregation and, and as a community live out and work out the plan. So... You, you heard the long string of notices we had. 2014, especially January 2014, is packed with opportunity for you to come and participate and find out how this plan rolls out in 2014. Are you a woman wondering, how does it look for me to live out the plan in my daily life? Why not come to the women's staycation and join with other women trying to find that out? If you're a guy, maybe 2014 is going to be the year where you really get stuck in to the plan. Come to the men's day on the 25th with Carl Beach. Are you a worker wondering how does it look like or what does it look like for this plan to unfold in my workplace? Come to the workplace evening and join with other people who maybe work in the same industry or the same place as you and who are also struggling trying to work out what this looks like. There are so many opportunities. Are you a child, messy church, a parent, messy church? Or maybe your resolve is simply that I want to hear more about the plan by reading more of my Bible. To be encouraged that no matter what I'm going through, God still has a plan and he's still working out that plan. 2014 is, is upon us. This is the last Sunday, as I said. And uh, I don't know if you're the type of person who tends to make New Year's resolutions. Um, but I think I certainly find as I come to the to the end of a year and I look back and evaluate how the year's been, I, I start to picture what the next year might be like. And maybe if, if that's the kind of person you are, if that's the kind of thing that you do, maybe it's worth us thinking, what is 2014 going to hold for me? Because it doesn't end at Christmas. 
when they had gone, when, when 2013 has gone, when Christmas 2013 has gone, the story is going to continue. The journey is going to continue. And we have the privilege of being able to be part of God unfolding his plan to save his people from their sins. I, I find that truly, truly amazing. And I'm going to close now and, and hand back to Lauren. But maybe as, as we do that, maybe just take a few seconds to think, what is it that I'm going to do in 2014 to be part of the plan as it keeps rolling out? So one day, like Joseph, the Lord can say to us, well done, good and faithful servants. Thank you.